Good evening, everyone. Those here, those on Zoom, we welcome you. Trust that um, our time together will be a blessing as we start our study of Philippians. And when the uh, study of Philippians uh, came up and uh, uh, speakers were sought. I eagerly signed up for this one, having just completed a um, eight-week course called Discipleship Explored, which um, is a natural follow-on to Christianity Explored, and Discipleship Explored would be geared for Christians, and um, I'll just kind of briefly say it doesn't really dwell on discipleship as much as uh, what disciples are taught in Philippians. So it's a genuinely good study, eight weeks of working our way through Philippians. And I look forward to um, what our study here at Read of You on Tuesday nights will unfold as, as we walk through Philippians together. But I've always found Philippians particularly encouraging it's an uplifting letter that uh, Paul writes to the Philippians, and uh, I pray that you are uplifted tonight as we think about what he wrote. Let's just bow our heads together and commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we are entirely thankful for an opportunity like this to gather together, whether here uh, in the auditorium or at home uh, on Zoom. And we are thankful for the freedoms we enjoy and comforts we enjoy to meet like this. Freedom to uh, open your word and look into it and uh, to be blessed. So, Father, we pray for uh, help from the Holy Spirit tonight to uh, uh, open our minds to truth that you have uh, written out uh, for us. And we're thankful that uh, uh, we... Uh, have a calling from the Lord Jesus Christ to follow him and to serve him. And we pray that uh, you would bless our time together tonight. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So we're taking uh, a look tonight at the first 18 verses of, of Philippians chapter 1. I think it's helpful to uh, think a bit about the context uh, uh, that Paul was writing in and who he was writing to. And uh, we would know from Acts 16 that uh, Paul had been on his second missionary journey, uh, working his way through Asia and what he thought was a well-planned out tour of Asia Minor and, and Galatia. And when he was in uh, Troas, uh, he had a special vision from God of a Macedonian man asking to be taught the gospel. And Paul was convicted that it was his um, duty to sail over to Macedonia and preach the gospel. Not what he had planned, not what he was thinking was, was the natural course of action, but in his willingness to serve the Lord and be obedient to uh, uh, God's call, he sailed immediately for um, Neapolis, which was the first port that they landed in and eventually ended up in the city of Philippi. And uh, you will recall from Acts 16 that uh, one of the first converts in Philippi was Lydia. 
a seller of purple. I, I have to uh, chuckle a bit about that description. Um, why purple, we might ask. Uh, and uh, there are historical conjectures of, of what the purple meant. And, uh, but uh, she was a seller of purple. And um, I believe she was uh, well-to-do because she was converted and invited the uh, apostles, Timothy and Silas and Paul, to come and stay at her house. So she had a large house. I think she was wealthy. And I just make a comment that the Lord uses women in powerful ways, uh, unexpected ways. Little did Lydia think as she sold her purple that... Uh, she was going to get a calling from God. She was God following, but along came Paul and taught her the truth. And um, she used what she had for God's honor and glory. And uh, uh, thankful for women like that, that would uh, um, use what they have, open their house to um, serve the Lord. And uh, uh, just a reminder, it's not wrong to be in commerce. It's not wrong to be wealthy as long as you're using what you have for the Lord. I, I feel sometimes in our day and age, um, uh, we might get a sense of guilt for uh, wealth, uh, but uh, here's a perfect example of someone I believe was wealthy and used that wealth to further God's gospel. Just a segue, a good study, uh, is uh, Darby's work in Ireland, early work, and uh, Lady Powers Court, who was used in a very powerful way to support Darby in his early years. And she was a very wealthy lady in Dublin, Ireland. And uh, it's a good study of uh, their relationship and how Darby was greatly encouraged by this woman who uh, was wealthy and able to help him advance his gospel in Ireland and throughout Europe and into Canada and Ontario. So we can be thankful for women uh, willing and ready to help proclaim the gospel. Also in Philippi, in Acts 6, uh, 16, a little later, uh, Paul's thrown into prison uh, because of uh, accusations from the people and the Philippine Jailer is alarmed after an incident where all the uh, people in jail could have escaped, and he asked one of the most important questions in the world, what must I do to be saved? And the answer was loud and clear, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved in, in all your house. One of the most important questions ever asked in history. So we come to this passage tonight. And uh, we find Paul in jail again. It's a little um, bit of conjecture which uh, jail he's in, but it's most likely in Rome. And he's in the royal with the royal palace guard, and he's writing from prison. He's writing in chains, and he is writing back to this church in Philippi that so greatly encouraged him. And it's a very personal letter. It's a very uplifting letter. It's a loving letter. He's thankful for the, the people. And um, he writes a powerful letter that we can take important lessons from. And as we work our way through eight weeks of study at uh, New Connections uh, Liberty House, um, 
uh, we would recognize from that study that every aspect of what Paul writes and teaches is entirely practical for us here in Ottawa in 2022. It's amazing how God's word is so uh, well laid out and written that it's applicable to us here in Ottawa uh, so many years later. And we do well to take to heart what uh, Paul wrote to the Philippians as Paul writing to us here tonight in Ottawa, Canada. Thankful that a church in Philippi was planted, the first church in Europe. And uh, marvelous how uh, the gospel spread through Europe, uh, um, starting in Philippi. Paul was encouraged in Philippi, even though he was beaten, thrown in jail, he, he still uh, took it on himself to preach the gospel down the coast of, of Greece, Macedonia at the time, uh, worked his way through Thessalonica, Athens to Corinth, and then back to uh, Jerusalem, and um, thankful that there was a solid gospel plant in Europe in Paul's uh, second missionary journey. So here we are tonight to look at uh, the first 18 verses, and I want to challenge you as we read these verses um, with a few questions. These questions are, are you confident in the Lord? Are you rejoicing? Are you praying for your church family? Are you partners in the gospel? And finally, are we applying these questions I just asked just for ourselves or for our church? And I'll come back to these points uh, shortly. Let's read the passage, Philippians chapter 1, the first 18 verses. And I'll emphasize uh, a couple of points around uh, the word all or together. Verse 1 of chapter 1 of Philippians, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philby, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to pause here for a second. Uh, reading from the New International Version, uh, Paul and Timothy uh, bond servants would be a better uh, rendition of, of the uh, translation, bond servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi. This is a church, uh, a letter that uh, Paul is writing to the church collective together with the overseers and deacons, and he's intending for them to read it together, to study it together, and apply it together. And I imagine a bit the excitement of news in Philippi that Epaphroditus was back from Rome and he had a letter from Paul and how exciting they would be to gather together and uh, read this letter. And I'm guessing, maybe conjecture, that Epaphroditus would have read it to them first and then they would have studied it. And Paul introduces the letter with the words, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, noting again that Paul's common introduction throughout his letters were the words, grace and peace to you. And there's a good lesson to be learned that um, because of God's grace on our lives, we can have peace. I don't think we can have peace without God's grace on our lives. So Paul consistently 
introduces letters with this uh, notion of grace and peace to you. As we recognize God's grace in our lives, we can have tremendous peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we work into the uh, depth of the letter. Verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you all in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is the best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness, that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it became clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. We ask the Lord to bless the reading of his word. I put a little emphasis on the thought of all of them together. And as I was studying this passage, uh, particularly for tonight, I was struck by the emphasis on Paul's writing to all of them. And uh, I am guilty, I think, of reading Philippians for myself. And when I read a verse like, uh, um, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be able to carry it to completion, I apply that to myself. And that's that's valid and that's good. but. I don't apply it to our collective congregation, to our assembly. And I think as we study this letter together, we could add that emphasis to our thinking that Paul is writing to the church collective. And when he says, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, he's referring to the church. And when we find fault with our local church, um, are we confident that God is going to carry on a good work in this church? I think we sometimes just selfishly apply this verse to ourselves and our, our faith, and we, we need to see uh, some of these truth in, in the sense of our congregation, our assembly, our, 
our fellowship. So as I challenge you with some of the questions, um, I'm thinking as well as applying it to ourselves, and when I say, are you rejoicing? I would say, are we rejoicing collectively? Are we displaying a sense of rejoicing? Let's tackle the first question I, I challenged with you. Are you confident in the Lord? That, that to me is, is um, sort of central to what uh, Paul's thinking is and his encouragement to the church at Philippi. Uh, he would say, I am confident of this, or I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, the church, not you, Dave Black specifically, I am confident that he who began a good work in you, the church in Philippi, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. How confident are we that the Lord will lead us along? I sometimes admit that uh, I lack confidence. Uh, I particularly lack confidence as I look at the big world problem, the sphere of, of what's happening in around the world. And we hear of Christians in many countries uh, persecuted and um, we lose confidence, I believe, in our um, sense that the Lord is in control. But the further out we look, uh, the more confusing it becomes to the point where I need to bring my thinking back to what am I doing here in Ottawa, Canada, and what can I do, and what can we as a church do? I don't think we can solve the problems of, of China. I don't think we can solve the problems of the world, but uh, we've got Dines Road. I'm thankful for the new food bank um, uh, opportunity to share in the community around Dines Road. And, and we can start with that and work our, our way into uh, the community, further into the city. And I am confident of this, that God, who began a good work here in this building in 1967, will carry it on to completion uh, when he has finished the work here on Prince of Wales Drive and in the, in the community. I'm confident of this. Sometimes I think we can be guilty of accusing the elders of not doing this or not doing that or not doing this and uh, not doing what I want. And um, uh, we deny that God is leading this church, that he is carrying a work on and he will accomplish his work in his time. And we need to embrace that confidence Paul's saying, I'm confident in you, the church in Philippi, and I'm sure that um, we can be confident in our local church too, as we allow the Lord Jesus to lead us along until the day of Christ Jesus. So I um, was challenged this morning uh, around uh, uh, some thoughts out of an Angus Reid poll uh, released this weekend, Easter weekend, and and some of you will know Angus Reid poll and, and their emphasis on Christian polls and, and Cardis is part of that work. Um, and so one of the inflammatory headlines uh, in the media this morning was uh, evangelical Christians are a detriment to society, uh, as revealed by the Angus Reid poll. Well, 
read the poll, I encourage you. It, it's not that inflammatory, and that was a, a little piece pulled out of context. Um, the truth around the poll is that uh, the evangelical church and Christians in Canada are losing influence, um, and numbers are going down. But God's not finished with this yet. And uh, we can do things to influence our community. And um, let's rejoice in that. Um, the same day as this poll was released, one of the big headlines in the paper this morning was that the Ottawa mission served more food, Easter, Easter meals than ever. And it was a joy to see the Ottawa mission Easter um, being promoted as a good thing that Christians are doing in this city. And we are doing a little thing with Dines Road. And let's embrace that and support that, that effort to reach into our community. We're not going to solve the world's problems, I don't believe, here at Rideau View, but we can have our influence and we can influence uh, those around us. Uh, we can work outwards. We can help our neighbors, find ways to uh, meet the needs of neighbors, and uh, eventually help the city in different, different ways. Uh, we are called to represent the Lord Jesus Christ here in this community, and we can be confident that he will carry on the work. Our confidence is rooted in God's power, not our power. Our confidence is uh, not in our ability to solve problems, but God's abilities to solve problems. And uh, as Paul would pray, we're called to fruits of righteousness, to the glory and praise of God. Let me ask you the second challenging question. Are you rejoicing? There's a theme of rejoicing through this letter, and I appreciate it. It sort of culminates in, in chapter 4, verse 4, where Paul would say, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice, but he starts the rejoicing here in chapter 1. And he says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. And Paul was rejoicing, and I believe we can take uh, uh, joy from that too. And we can take joy from uh, the work here that happens in this assembly, in this church. Uh, we can rejoice. We get dragged down by the things that are going on around us, and we can get dragged down by individual people. But uh, Paul would give us an emphatic charge to rejoice, and we can find reasons to rejoice. I rejoice that the number of new people I was seeing here on Saturday or Sunday and uh, rejoicing in the thought that uh, we're launching a Christianity Explored series. There's lots to rejoice about and um, we need to find those ways. We can let people drag us down or we can look to the Lord and starting with the Lord and his work in our life, his power in our lives, we can rejoice and work outwards. Paul didn't let uh, people drag him down. He didn't let the Roman guards uh, drag him down. He was writing a letter of rejoicing, and we can rejoice too. Paul was praying for the Philippians. Let me ask you, are you praying for your church family? 
I embrace the, the joy of meeting together on a Tuesday night and praying for our church family. And it, it'd be nice to see the names pop up on the screen shortly and see the um, prayer requests that are, are listed. So what a privilege we have of, of meeting like this and, and praying together and uh, praying for one another. Let's, let's be diligent, let's be um, consistent in our prayer and I encourage others to join us on on Tuesday nights and it's good to uh, be on zoom it's even better to be here at 1249 Prince of Wales Drive praying together um, we have an awesome privilege of of lifting up our church in prayer and whether it's Tuesday night or through the week are we thinking of others in our church that need prayer and I, I know uh, we have many poor prayer warriors amongst us and and we're following the model that um, uh, Paul outlined here. And as he's thinking of the Philippians, he's reminding them that he's praying for them. And then I would say as we stumble around what, what we should be praying, how would, how would we pray for one another? His, his model prayer in verses 9 to 11 um, would help us. And he would say, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray uh, this prayer specifically for one another as we work through this uh, study in Philippians. It's a powerful prayer. And Paul does have many powerful prayers in his uh, epistles and writings, and uh, I enjoy this one too. But we can be praying this prayer for our church family. Are we partners in the gospel is another question we could ask ourselves. Um, Paul would write to the Philippians, and he says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So these uh, Philippian believers have been consistent in their partnership, and that's a specific word. It's not just tagging along with Paul. It's not just supporting him uh, when they feel like it. Uh, it's a true partnership that he senses. And um, we would ask ourselves as a church congregation, do we feel we're in a partnership with one another as, as we present the gospel to uh, those around us. When I think of partnership, I can think of equality between the partners, that um, there's, there's not one person that's more important than the others, and there's other passages in the Bible that refer, even though uh, some are given this gift and others are given this gift, we're in a, a body working together, we're a, a partnership, and do you feel it? Do you feel... Um, that we're all working together, praying together, serving together. Uh, I would say, do you thank your elders and deacons for the work that they do? If you do, uh, we could think of verse three. I thank my God every time I remember you. That would be a good greeting to give to your elder or your deacon. I thank my God every time I remember you. I encourage you to support our elders and deacons in their work for all of us. And another good question to ask the elders and deacons are, what do you need me to do? 
I want to partner with you. What do you need me to do? As a former elder, I could, I could say that there's a lot of people that would come to us and say, you need to do this, and then walk away. And it would be delightful to have someone come along and say, what can I do for you? So let's be like that. Let's be ones that are partners in the gospel for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's the final section in verses 12 to 18, where uh, some would say Paul gives an update of his ministry, or this is his ministry letter, his uh, situation, his personal setting. Um, and as he says, I recognize that I am in change for the sake of the gospel. I would ask, do we recognize that the things we go through help further the gospel? Do we recognize that uh, our job loss can be something that uh, helps others see the truth of the gospel? Do we recognize our illness is something that helps others see the truth of the gospel? And, and so on. We, we go through circumstances in life. We're not protected from difficult circumstances. And Paul wasn't protected from prison and being held in chains, but he could see clearly that what he was going through was helping uh, proclaim the gospel. Others were seeing the truth and the light of the gospel. It's become clear throughout the whole palace guard, he would say and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And he would take joy from that. Uh, would we take joy from the fact we were in prison, uh, undeserved and uh, feeling like we were hampered from being a missionary, uh, but Paul could take joy from the fact that he was uh, proclaiming truth and light to the whole palace guard. And then he would say, there's others that are, are proclaiming the gospel because they recognize what's happened to me is is for a reason and brothers and sisters in Philippi had taken courage from uh, Paul's situation and were charging on with the work and uh, they wanted to support uh, Paul even though he was in prison they were encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly and so let's use their collective situations to encourage one another to serve more courageously and effectively. And Paul touches on a, a, a kind of difficult, challenging part where he said there's others preaching the gospel out of rivalry and envy is the words that the New International Version uses. And he's recognizing that there, there's people that uh, are preaching the gospel that he wouldn't um, agree with. And uh, we can see that all around us too. We don't go far before we find someone who might be preaching the gospel in a way that um, uh, we wouldn't necessarily agree with. But Paul is saying then there's others that are preaching it uh, out of goodwill and in love. And those are the ones that encourages him as well. But um, Paul does not say you got to go out and stop those other people from preaching the gospel. What he would say is simply this, whatever the case, the important thing in this that 
every way from false motives are true. Christ is preached. And because of that, I rejoice. So I, I thought recently of situations where I, I was seeing Christ preached in, in ways I wouldn't agree with and um, in tones I wouldn't agree with. And uh, yet they were reading from God's word. They were using verses like John 3.16 and we can rejoice in that and should rejoice that the gospel is being preached and lives are being touched, not by the words of the um, uh, whoever was speaking, but by the words of, of God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, that uh, uh, truth was being revealed in a dark and hurting way. So I leave you with these uh, thoughts tonight as we open our um, study of Philippians, there's going to be uh, some great practical truths that come forth, applications we can make for ourselves, but I encourage you to think about how does this apply to our assembly, to our local church? How do we work together to proclaim the gospel uh, that we would be rejoicing in seeing uh, souls reach for Christ, a light shining in the neighborhood, and ultimately, um, society changed. Thankful for God's word that guides us along. Thankful for uh, Paul writing to the Philippians in a way that would apply to us here tonight. And I trust these thoughts would uh, encourage you, bless you, and help rejoice uh, as we go uh, from here. And I look forward to a, a time of prayer. I would just say that... Um, Having exhorted you to pray, Jill, and I do have to slip out for another matter, but um, please pray as Paul would pray for one another.